such an honor to be here tonight. You can grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Always good to be back home and love all of you so much and thankful for what God is, is doing here. They that hunger and thirst shall be filled. Amen. They that hunger and thirst shall be filled. And so we stay hungry, right? And we continue to seek the Lord. Amen. I believe so strongly in seeking after the will of God in our lives. And uh, I believe since the Bible speaks of a perfect will, that we might as well try to find that, reach for it, obtain it, if it's possible. And uh, I do have to say that as a pastor, I don't speak, of course, to anyone in this room, but as a pastor of my local assembly, there are times that it feels as if that my vision and my desire for people's lives is more than they have for their own. And uh, it can be a little bit, well, frankly, it can be frustrating. Because it's like, man, you see the possibility and you see the potential, and you see what God wants to do, and, and you're just trying to get them to desire that thing, to want that for themselves. Does anybody want the perfect will of God to be accomplished in your life, in your family, in your home? And to that end, there are so many different avenues and principles and biblical concepts that we can reach after to obtain to try to do that and so tonight I just want to just take one one idea and uh, just kind of go with that a little bit and we'll see how this all comes out if it's teaching or preaching or a mix of both but I believe that uh, there are certain aspects of life that we can learn that can help us to achieve what God has for us next somebody say what's next what God has for us next. Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 14. If you're there, say, I'm there. The Apostle Paul writes unto the people of Philippi, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you've been around the church very long, that's not a new scripture to you. We love to preach that scripture. And uh, we'll see if I preach it a little bit here tonight. But there are powerful principles in there, amen, that got to get past just a good goosebump feeling when someone reads it to the application of it in our daily lives. How can I put this into action in my life to fulfill the perfect will of God that he has for me, amen? Amen. Why don't you give three people a high five, tell them they look good in God's house. Amen. 
You may be seated. God bless you. Somebody say, don't look down. In 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul responds to a growing falsity in the religious world of his day that the resurrection has already passed. In 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 18, study to show thyself approved unto God, he says to his young protege in the faith, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and they overthrow the faith of some. Notice it was the encouragement of Paul to Timothy. Study, he says. Everybody say study. Study so that he could rightly divide the word of truth. It was not advice to get into an argument or debate with just emotionalism alone. He wasn't saying he who screams the loudest is the victor. He was not trying to teach them how to intimidate your opponent on the debate field, so to speak, or how to manipulate them into agreeing with you. He just simply said, study the word so you don't have to be ashamed. Just know what it says and know what it's talking about and know what it means. Specifically, in this passage of Scripture that we are reading of, he's talking about the resurrection, meaning being raised to life again, or the idea, the promise of God of life after death. How many are looking forward, uh, amen, to something greater than this? And so we may not entirely know what they were trying to or say or accomplish in this when he calls these men out by name and says that they have erred from the truth. But we know the fallout that the Apostle Paul sees with such reckless handling of the truth is what is motivating him to try to encourage Timothy to be someone who studies and someone who knows. Because if you get it wrong, you can mess a lot of other people up too. Because if you say it wrong, you can get someone else to say it wrong, and they'll tell someone else, and someone's going to raise their children based off of what you told them the Word of God says. It's very interesting, and I didn't write it down, so I won't try to get the specifics, but there was a Gallup poll that I believe may have came out today that, that shows that a record low amount of Americans believe that the Bible is the literal Word of God. In the lowest part of history that we have been recording it, there are the lowest amount of people that believe that the Bible is actually the word of the Lord. And a higher, much higher percentage of people are beginning to believe today that the word of God is just fables and folklores and storytelling. Can I tell somebody there's never been a better day to teach a Bible study than there is right now? We've never needed it more for someone to sit down in a living room with a Bible study chart and say, let's look at what the Bible actually has to say. Oh, hallelujah. But we know that the fallout that Paul sees of this 
reckless handling of the truth in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 18. He says this, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain? And your faith is also vain. Does anybody see how this works? If you get one thing wrong, you see the domino effect. And your faith is also in vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses for God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Oh, hallelujah. Now all of a sudden this is getting personal. Now all of a sudden it's not just about what I want to tell other people and I want to say something that sounds nice to them or I, I want to say something that makes them feel good about themselves. Uh, but now all of a sudden I'm yet in my sins. You are yet in your sins. Uh, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are just perished. They're perished. Hymenius and Philetus didn't understand the result of their approach that they were taking amen, with this line of false doctrine. Maybe they thought it sounded good. Maybe they thought it would make living for God a little bit easier for some. But ultimately, it robbed people of the faith that is necessary to press on. Oh, how many know you got to have faith in something more than this world to press on? How many know you got to have faith in something greater than today to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise the Lord anyhow. I'm looking for a city who has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. Amen. They were robbing people of the faith that was necessary. And it worked to keep people from living for something higher, living for something more than where they were right now. Now, and Paul declares at the end of this section of verses that we read in 1 Corinthians 15, he says in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. Oh, hallelujah. If all we have is what's going to happen right now, what's going to happen in my life, what's going to happen on this earth, he's, he wants us to understand what every apostolic Pentecostal Christian should understand that it's not just about this life. It's not just about my temporary time on earth. If that's all it is, then what's the point of it all? People live today with that question going over and over in their minds. What is the point? What is the reason? Why am I here? Why should I continue on? These are the reasons why uh, alcohol and drug abuse uh, skyrocket. These are the reasons why uh, young people are cutting themselves and hurting themselves. These are the reasons why people walk around in darkness uh, and in despair. Uh, these are the reasons why people contemplate taking their own life because they wake up every morning saying, if this is all there is, uh, then what are we doing here? But you and I know what we're doing here. Oh, hallelujah. I'm living for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm walking around. I'm walking around filled with a power and authority that comes in the name of Jesus and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory, peace that passeth understanding. 
Paul lived his life and accomplished his ministry because of this revelation. In 1 Corinthians 15, 41 through 44, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. He says, he just like there's no, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the stars. Oh, hallelujah. He says there's, there's a glory that is connected to that. And he says there's also a glory in someone who was born in their trespasses and sins, but then they find a place of repentance. And that used, what used to be a weakness now becomes strength unto them. Oh, hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 55, he says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible shall put on, but must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Uh, o death, where is thy sting? And O grave, where is thy Victory. Paul lived with two revelations in his life. One was that the grave had no victory over him. Oh, hallelujah. People wonder how did Paul accomplish everything that he accomplished? How did he endure what he endured? How did he do what he do and write what he wrote? Well, he had some revelations in his life. He had some understandings uh, that you could not take from him uh, and the prison couldn't take from him and the beatings couldn't take from him and the shipwrecks couldn't take from him. He had a revelation that the grave has no victory over me. And the other revelation that the Apostle Paul had was he knew where his victory came from in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, uh, which giveth us the victory through our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. He didn't just have a victory that death and the grave didn't have any power over him. He knew where that victory came from. Does anybody know where your victory comes from tonight? There's a reason why we're not worshiping the sun, moon, and the stars. Because they may be filled with glory, but they can't give me my victory. There's a reason why I'm not worshiping the trees and the, the waterways and the oceans. Because they may have glory, but they can't give me my victory. Hallelujah. And this revelation affected his living so much that hell couldn't stop him. I said hell couldn't stop him. Oh, hallelujah. He wasn't really worried about what humanity could do. He was past humanity. And then he dealt with hell and he got past hell. Oh, hallelujah. How do you stop a man who was filled with passion to live for God and yet filled with excitement about what comes after death? Oh, hallelujah. 
You take the fear of death and the grave away from Satan, and he has very little left. I said, if you take the fear of death and the grave away from him, he don't have a whole lot left to use against the child of God. Oh, hallelujah. That's victorious living. Somebody say victorious living. That's the kind of living that, that the Lord wants for us. That is what makes a soldier of the Lord to press on into the fight, to march forward, to go and do the impossible, to become something you never dreamed you could become until God gave you a dream, and then to say, I'm going to grab a hold of that dream, and I'm going to say, if God says I can do it, then I believe I can do it. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. There's a story about the Crimean War of 1853 between Russia and Britain and France and the Ottoman Empire in a very strategic battle in the middle of this war. It involved taking a very significant piece of high ground from the enemy. A soldier who was carrying the flag, flag made it up onto a high ridge. And the rest of the regiment, thinking they could not make it to the ridge, they looked up and they saw the soldier up there waving the flag, which meant it come up. And they saw him waving the flag, but the rest of the regiment, thinking they could not make it to the ridge, cried, bring the colors down. Meaning bring the flag down where we are. Bring it down. To which the young flag-waving soldier responded down to them. He said, no, bring the men to the colors. Oh, hallelujah. Get yourself up here. I got up here, he's saying. You can get up here too. I thought it was impossible, but I did it. It's not impossible. There's a way. Oh, hallelujah. Bring the men to the colors. The hour that we live in demands an apostolic church that is on the move. A church that is unafraid to live and die for the cause of Christ. And some will look up to the call of God on their life, and they will say, it is too much. It is too much what God is placing on me. It is too much what God is calling me to. It's too much what I felt in prayer. It's too much the dream that God gave me. It is too much. And others will look up to the high place and be unnerved by the necessary ascent. They will be unnerved by what they're going to have to do to get there. To get to the place God called them. Oh, we're talking now, aren't we? I can feel it now. They get a little bit of fear kicks in because God showed them a place and it is higher than where we are. And we want to say, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. But there's something inside of it that says, I don't think I can do it. I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if I have the ability to do that. They will hear the call and the cry of Christ. And they will hear the call of the will of God for their lives saying, come up, come up, come up, come up. Oh, hallelujah. Paul goes on to say to the Philippian church in Philippians 3, Philippians 3, 13 through 14, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He says, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you that I have achieved the finality of everything that God has for my life. 
That's kind of hard to hear from Paul, ain't it? After all that he did, <laughs> after all that he achieved and accomplished, he says, I, I'm not telling you that I've apprehended it, that I've achieved it, that I've reached the end. But this one thing I do, <laughs> forgetting those things which are behind me, and I reach forth. Oh, hallelujah. I reach forth unto those things which are before me. And I press. <laughs> I press toward the mark. Oh, hallelujah. I get the visual of him leaning forward and reaching out. And there may be some resistance and there may be some confusion and it may be a little cloudy and he may not know everything that God wants to do because we never know everything God wants to do. If you're hung up on that part, you're never going to know. There's your answer. Move on. If you're hung up on waiting for him to tell you everything, it's not going to happen. Just move on. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't look back. Don't look down. Don't look down. The phrase that probably all of us have heard at some point in our lives, whether you were climbing a ladder or climbing a mountain, a ladder feels like a mountain to me, I just got to tell you. I don't, I don't do real well with natural heights. I don't know if anyone else has this problem. I like to be real high. I like to see and look out over wonderful vistas. I love that, but my body goes like this. Am I the only one? I can't control it. It just... I get to a certain height and it just starts doing it. It's not real manly, I know. You're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> Don't look down is what they scream up to you when you get stuck. Right? Don't look down. The reasons are varied as to why a person should not look down while they're climbing. Turns out it's not just a phrase that you say when you're stuck behind the person paralyzed with fear and you're trying to motivate them. It's not just a phrase that we made up. But the reason why you don't look down is because looking down actually has some effect on you. One of the things, first of all, that it does is it can bring on vertigo. Anybody ever dealt with vertigo? Woo! When everything just kind of starts spinning on you? The sensation that the environment around you is spinning, it can make you feel dizzy and off balance, which is not at all what you're looking for in that situation. But that's not all that it does. By looking down, it conveys to your brain and your brain to the rest of your body a feeling of greater exposure. Exposure to an enemy. Say if you were one of those soldiers that was being called up higher. Or just exposure 
to the fall. Exposure to the possibilities of the fall. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody ever thought what would happen if you fell? Have you ever been in a situation and thought, ooh, if I fell right now. Don't look down. It causes people to focus on the wrong things. It brings about more challenges into your mind than just the climb alone. Oh, hallelujah. The climb alone can be challenging. The climb alone is going to have some difficulty. The climb alone is going to require some sacrifices. Some of you know I'm preaching now. The climb alone is going to ask more of you than you think is possible for you to give. He's not just going to make it some easy thing because he's trying to take you somewhere you've never been before. And he wants you to understand the value of what it means to go up a little higher in Christ. Because when you get there, you're going to have authority that you didn't have before. And you're going to have power that you... You're going to be able to see things you couldn't see before and understand things you couldn't understand and speak things that you've never been able to speak things. And so you can't look down because when you, when you look down, it opens up the possibility of the fall and it can bring into you some confusion and get you to focus on the wrong things and it brings about challenges, other challenges that you shouldn't be thinking about. I just remembered this story. Brother, when we went hiking in South Dakota, what was the name? I don't remember. We climbed that high thing. This, this might not be funny to you. But we went hiking and we were going to go. The, and so I, knowing we were going to be hiking and climbing up this thing, and knowing I was going to be doing it with my brother Anthony. Now, you might not understand why I said it that way, but he tends to take chances to try to, I think I can make that jump so to speak, I think it'll hold. Anybody have an older brother like that? It should be all right. It looks strong enough. These kind of things, these kind of things send my brain into a frenzy. And so we went hiking the next day, and we were about a third up this. I don't even think it's a mountain, but I should just say mountain. It sounds better. We were about a third up the way, and I was dying, just dying, dead. So I was so tired. And we sat down, and I took my pack off. And I was like, man, this pack is so heavy. And he was like, brother, what do you got in there? And I was like, well, I got. And I started pulling things, remember? And I had like 20 feet of rope. And I had a whole thing of bandages. And I had extra water upon extra water. And I, <laughs> I had all, because in my mind, we were going to get almost to the top. And he was going to try to do something that was going to result in a broken ankle. And I was going to have to, we were going to have to survive on my preparation alone. 
And I was pulling all of this stuff, just so much stuff. I had every, that backpack was full of unnecessary. And I said, well, bro, he's laughing at me. He said, why do you have all that stuff? And I said, well, what do you have? And he just pulls out water. That's it. Water. <laughs> he was just intending on climbing to the top and then coming down. But my mind had thought about all of the other things, mind you, that could go wrong. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm teaching us something tonight that I know a little bit about. I'm just trying to help somebody with something that's helped me, okay? When you are trying to go up with God, don't look down. Because when you look down, your mind is going to start to play tricks on you. When you look down, you're going to start thinking of all the possibilities. And there's something about our flesh because God is calling us up here. It's our flesh that's calling us down there. There's something about our flesh that when I look down, it never tells me about everything that's going to go right. It never tells me how great everything's going to be. It never tells me how wonderful it's going to turn out. When I look down, all I think about is all the, the negative possibilities and how I may end up looking bad. And if I ever really try to step out in faith, uh, it's not going to work. And then I'm going to look foolish. And God is saying, I need you to lift your eyes a little bit higher. I need you to look up onto the hills from which your help comes from. I need you to get your focus back on me and don't look down. It's also much harder to see footholds which are the most vital part of climbing when you're going down. And you must not only manage gravity but also your own descending weight when you're trying to go down. Hmm. I was at a work day at our camp a few weeks ago. There's a guy in our church. His name is Mark Kermis. He's a mountain of a man. And uh, just one of those guys, you know, just, just a guy. Just, I'm glad I'm his pastor and I'm glad he's on my side. That's all I'm saying. And we had to uh, carry something that was rather large. And so I said, hey, I'll get this in. You get that in. And he's like, all right. He picks it up. And I picked up this in and we started to go like this. And I said, well, hold on a second. I said, can we spin this thing around? I'm not a big fan of walking backwards. I'd rather he walk backwards. I don't like to walk backwards in an unknown environment because I can't see where I'm going. And I don't know if my footsteps are going to be ordered of the Lord, maybe, if I'm going down. You see, our eyes are in tune with our hands and our feet and hand-eye coordination and eye-foot coordination are very similar. 
First, the visual input is processed in our brains. Next, the brain sends signals to our muscles to move to a specific location, which is determined by eye movement and focus. I have to be able to see clearly and focus clearly to put my hands and my feet in the right places. Finally, our muscles require fine motor skills or the ability to control small muscle movements like finger grasp for picking up things that are small. This includes wrist and hand movements too. And sometimes gross motor skills or larger range muscle movements are used too, like for waving an arm or lifting a leg. This entire process, all of this stuff must work flawlessly, perhaps thousands of times a day in your normal life for you to just not fall down. It all has to work perfectly. I walk over here and my eyes and my brain recognize the steps and they recognize the distance and they make the adjustments and I can walk down them. But I have to be able to make the connections. My brain has to send the right signals. My Large muscles and small muscles all must work in unity with one another. What's interesting about that to me is that in an adrenaline rush situation, it works even better. Adrenaline targets vital organs, increases the heart rate, and boosts the delivery of oxygen and glucose to the brain and the muscles. God created you and I for these things to all work together the way they're supposed to do just so we can function normally. And he even created us so that when we are in an adrenaline-filled situation, when something happens and we must react, that our bodies immediately react so that it even works better. When we're in a difficult, challenging, fearful situation, it even works together better. My point is simply this. When the war of life is raging all around us and the call of God is for you to look up and press toward the mark of the high calling. If God made us physically able to handle this life, he sure enough can make us spiritually able to get to the next peak. Come on, if he made me physically able and my body can physically do it to get up something, sure enough, he made me spiritually able if I'll get in tune with him and if I'll be in line with him. Oh, hallelujah, if I'll get my spiritual vision right, if I'll get my heart right, if I'll get my mind right, oh, hallelujah, if I'll be crucified with Christ, if I get it all like it's supposed to be, oh, hallelujah, no matter what the devil throws at me, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do, it doesn't matter if somebody tries to get me to turn back or look down, I've got my eyes on the prize, and God gave me the ability to get where he called me to why don't you turn to someone and tell them you can do it come on tell them you can do it now look at him and say don't look down oh hallelujah there may be voices calling at you to come back down and I'm almost done there may be voices calling at you to come 
back down. But the voice of God, hear me today. I know I'm talking to someone, but I don't know who I'm talking to. The voice of God is telling you, come up. Look up. Don't look down. You can do it. You can be it. You can achieve it. There's more to life than this. Oh, hallelujah. You may have reached one thing in ministry, but there's another thing. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody believe that tonight? You hear the voice of the Lord saying, don't look down. Come on up higher. Come on up higher. Come on up higher. Oh, hallelujah. He says, I haven't apprehended it. I'm not done yet. It's not over yet. I've got some ways to climb still. Oh, hallelujah. I hope everybody feels that way. I hope nobody's just settled in. It's a bad time to be settled. Oh, hallelujah. You got to have some things settled in your spirit and some things settled in your heart. But you, as a warrior for Jesus Christ, you, as a man and a woman of God, you can't just be settled right now. You got to be up. You got to be moving. You got to be looking. You got to be saying, Here I am, Lord Jesus, use me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I just feel like somebody's been questioning God for a real long time saying, I just don't know why you think it's possible that I can do that. But he sent this preacher here tonight on this Thursday to tell you, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. I wish you would get the revelation. Oh, hallelujah. The death doesn't have any victory over you. Your victory is in Jesus and you can do it. You can be it. You can reach it. Oh, shout unto the Lord, somebody. If you'll allow me just 30 seconds, the Apostle Paul says, it's one thing I do, and it's not really one thing, is it? <laughs> he says, I forget some things and I press towards some things. It's not one thing. In writing, but it was one thing in his perspective. He saw those things as one. I forget and I push. I forget and I push. Why does that matter? It matters because people get stuck at the forgetting. Oh, I don't have time. There's so many people stuck at the forgetting. The things which are behind. So many people take a couple steps and then. <laughs> you think I'm not preaching? <laughs> I love it. They take a couple steps and then they look. And they linger. And they get stuck. Some of them even turn into that pillar of salt. That statue that just stays there. Let me tell some mom and dad in the place, your kids can't be looking at a statue. Oh, 
You want your kids to do more than you've ever done. You want them to go further than you've ever done. You want them to achieve things in God. That's a good thing for you to desire for them. But that, they're not going to get that by looking at a statue. They're going to get that by following after. They're going to get that by following after, and at some point, maybe they're going to get that by climbing up on your shoulders. At some point, they're going to take the wind and ride the wind of your prayers and things that you prayed over their life, but they sure enough ain't going to get there by looking at a statue. you got to keep your eyes moving forward. I forget the things that are behind me, and I press toward the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. I forget the thing. And just so we're all on the same page, everybody has something to forget. Everybody has something to forget. I don't care how great they look in your eyes, how holy they look in your eyes, how powerful they are in your eyes right now. They've had to forget something. They didn't get there because they were perfect when they came out of the womb. They got there because they said, I'm not going to linger at this place and live at this dimension. I'm going to forget some things, and I'm going to press towards the mark of the high calling. It's a high calling. It's higher than me. It's greater than me. It's more wonderful than me, but I'm going to press toward it anyway. And I can do it because I'm not chained to my past and I'm not chained to my history and I'm not chained to my family tree. But I've got some things that I left behind me and now I'm pressing. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You start going backwards, you're just going to get dizzy. It's all just going to start spinning. You got to remind yourself on a daily basis, God is not the author of confusion. When everything's spinning and you're real confused, lift your head up. Lift your head up. It's real easy to get sucked in. It's real easy. Lift your head up. You start looking backwards, you're just going to get that feeling of exposure to the enemy. You're just going to think the devil's going to, he's going to get me if I try it. I'm safe where I'm at right now, but if I try to do anything more for God, he's going to get me. Yeah. Oh, he may try. But when God calls you up, what can man do against me? What can hell do against me? Where's your victory? Oh, Hallelujah. Oh, thanks be to God who giveth me the victory through Christ Jesus. Don't look back. Don't look down. And this last thing I want you to remember, stand with me if you would. I just saw this. Maybe you've known it all your life, and that's awesome. But I just saw this not too long ago. The prophet Isaiah says in the 48th chapter, verse 17. He says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God. <laughs> I like any time, any verse that starts out that way. It's always going to be good. It's always going to be like, oh, yeah. Right? It's like, just energize. I am the Lord thy God. Yes, you are. He says, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee prophet which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go now that's good all by itself that's good all by itself but uh, when you just follow the advice of Paul and 
you do a little study and start rightly dividing the word and seeing the things that God is trying to say. It's interesting to me. I never saw before that that word prophet doesn't mean at all what I thought it meant. I thought it meant prophet. It actually means to ascend. I never knew it. It means to ascend. So it says, thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to ascend, which leadeth thee by the way that thou should go. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Two things you never want to do when following after is you never want to settle for something less than what God wants to do in your life. And you never want to waste your time and energy trying to achieve something that God didn't call for you to achieve. Amen. Trying to be something you weren't ever meant to be. Do something you weren't meant to do. But oh, there's that perfect will of God. And he says, I am the Lord your God. I am the Holy One of Israel. And I am going to teach you how to ascend. <laughs> I'm going to teach you. Did you know that that was something that you could be taught? It's something you learn. See, this is, this is one of the issues people struggle with. They keep thinking it's just going to be like imparted. They think that maybe if the right person lays their hands on me at the right time, all of a sudden it's just everything is going to click. But with God, most things don't work that way. Most stuff is process. I know I was shouting and everything a minute ago, but we okay? Most stuff with God is process. It's learning. And we should really know that well because the Bible tells us that grace is a teacher. How many have learned a few things from grace over the years? How many are thankful for the long suffering of God? And you learn some things from grace. Grace isn't just about making you feel okay because you did something wrong and then you repented of it in grace and now you feel better. Grace is about you feel better but this is what you need to do now. This is what you did. And that's why you ended up where you ended up. So now we're not going to do that. We're going to forget the things that took us down. And we're going to try something new now. We're going to look up. Amen. And grace teaches us. And what he's telling us here is he also teaches us how to ascend. So if you want to go higher in God, it's not just about a dance and a shout. It's about process. It's about the Lord establisheth my goings. It's about he leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. He orders my steps. Thy word is both a lamp and a light unto my feet and unto my pathway. I need to see this 
and he's also going to show me some of that. But the, the light under my pathway, I can't always see really clearly. Sometimes we're looking a little bit like a, through a glass darkly, but the light at my feet is really bright. And he's saying, you don't need to worry so much about all of that. You need to worry about this, and then this, and then this. And if you worry about this and focus on this and get this right every day, you're going to see what's up there. One of these days you're going to get up and you're going to be standing next to the one waving the flag and you're going to say, I made it. He's going to say, you made it. You made it. You made it. You made it. Oh, I said in this life we're going to accomplish a lot of great things for God and in this life we're going to do a lot of miraculous and wonderful things in Christ Jesus. But one of these days I'm going to lift my eyes up and I'm going to realize I'm standing at the pearly gates and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You kept taking one step after another. You didn't look down and you kept having faith. I wonder if there's anybody in the house tonight that says I think I can go a little bit higher I believe maybe it's possible I think maybe if God is calling me then I can do it he teaches us to ascend he leads us by the way we should go that's individual it's individual he leads us by the way we should go so I'm asking you tonight to stop asking God to bring your calling down. I know it's, I know sometimes you think, how in the world? I know sometimes it seems, but don't ask God to bring the calling down. Say, God, I want to get, I got to get up to the calling. I got to get up what you have for me I gotta I gotta I gotta reach and I gotta climb and I gotta go because there's something inside of me that says I can do this that I can do all things through Christ I wonder if there's anybody in this house tonight that just wherever you're at in your life and in your ministry and you walk with God no matter where you're at if you would like to just signify by stepping out of your row and walking up to the front of this building that you're saying I'm not going to look down I'm not looking down I'm not looking down 